scaring the fuck out of himself. That's a good way to start the episode. Is it oh a deer, a female deer? All that other fun stuff. Bam, Montana Ale. <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting Mistakes Were Made. Introducing yet another edition of the post work 222 star 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 222. That went on longer than this fucking film. This was your favorite movie we've done, right? No, not a fan. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the dressed in a fantastically cozy-looking green sweatshirt, Kristen Pennington. <laughs> it's nope. a sweater. It is. What's the difference? It's like knit. Sweatshirts aren't knit like that. Okay. Well, we're starting off strong. <laughs> Just like this movie tried to. This movie is malicious. <laughs> um... This is uh, 2018's Malicious. You can find it on Netflix. You'll look at it. You'll go, wow, that seems interesting. And then you'll be uh, gravely disappointed. Um, my initial takeaway for the film, and we paused it at a, roughly the 20-minute mark. And I said, well, maybe they just didn't make it through the first 20 minutes. And it'll get better from here. Did it? It didn't get better <laughs> from here. <laughs> like, I knew... The major plot point that happens relatively early in the film. And I totally thought it was going to take a turn where it's like, oh, we're going to bond together and work through this thing. And it Mm -hmm. did not. No, nobody bonded. (laughs) Throughout the entirety of the film. (laughs) It was a disastrous shit show. And we're here to bring you the good, the bad, the ugly. The things that we learned. The things that we hope to take away. Uh, Should we just dive right into it? Are, Are you okay? Yeah, okay. I, it wasn't a good movie. <laughs> Let me down. You're just staring at me, and I'm like, I didn't write the fucking thing. Like, I don't know what to tell you here. It's Arr. all your fault, Mr. Bloom. It's those post-work feels. <laughs> oh, fuck, I forgot to write down the IMDb score. Mm. It was a five, wasn't it? Five-something, yeah. It was in that neighborhood. That doesn't matter, because <laughs> you know who else didn't give a shit about this movie? All the critics of Rotten Tomatoes. Not a single critic review for Malicious from 2018. <laughs> However, the audience did chime in. The audience gave it a 19%. Bad accurate. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know that. I, That's a little aggressive. I give it 25%. <laughs> I give it a 33. Ooh, a 33. Why, what, justify. Why, <laughs> why do you give it a third of a, you know... Yeah, I mean, there were enough cinematically well-done things that I, yeah. I would say I will credit the cinematographer that much. I'm I'm really happy that we wound up pushing back this movie because we were initially supposed to do it on Wing Night and it almost would have ruined Wings and Rings Night for me. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching it and I was sitting there with my fingers all, you know, hot saucy. Um, I, I, I would have... No. Put those hot saucy fingers into your eyeballs. Into my eyeballs, to not watch just the movie. scrubbed them around, made them all <laughs> nice and red, bled out on the floor, and died. That's what I wish I could have done. But we're going to treat it fair. Got to get through goods. Got to do all the introduction stuff. 
It'll be fine, Kristen. Quit looking at me like I that. I would personally say Stitches was worse. No. Stitches is me. the greatest film we've ever done a two-star Tuesday <laughs> on. And that includes Bride of Chucky. Stitches is levels and leagues <laughs> above everything else we've ever watched. There's The Godfather, and then there's Stitches. Uh, this was produced by Impossible Dream Entertainment, which oh. I, I looked at because I thought that we'd done a film or two of theirs before we haven't. Oh. Um, but Kristen learned a fun fact about one of the actresses, so I'll, I'll hold off on that. Do you want to do the actor names first? Oh, wait, you didn't write down the names. I, I've got a lot to get to. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the sister, Becky, is, in fact, in a movie we've done before. She was in Mara. Hell yeah. So her track record is not holding up Remind so me what Mara was. Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember what initiated seeing Mara, but I know it was like a thing where um, you would see her and she'd come to you more and more. And there was like, it was the sleep paralysis one. That's right. But yeah. I can't remember what initiated actually seeing Mara, but she slowly kind of got closer and closer to you until she killed you. Yeah. Um, and it sucked. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> it was not one either of us enjoyed. <laughs> Uh, this thing was made on a budget of $3.5 million, um, which, I, you know, that makes sense. Uh, grossed worldwide 1.2, so they didn't even cover half the bases. I mean, 1.2 million is still quite a bit of money. Though. I'm surprised it, it, they made it that is, much. Because we've done ones before that didn't even touch half a million. Yeah, they lost $2.3 million. They lost more than they brought in. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what Impossible Dreams wants to see. Impossible Dreams trying to make dreams possible. Why are you <laughs> fucking them around? Um, and it carries a familiar trend in our two-star films, which is the writer and the director are the same exact white dude. Bad. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Don't do it again. This was written and directed by Michael Winnick. Um I also learned that he executive produced the film, and I've learned that um, I think he's got like 10 films that he's done, and he has written, directed, and produced all of them. That's madness. So he's just making films for him at this point, I think. Maybe he really <laughs> liked the movie. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he did, you know, living out there in Bel Air or wherever the hell he's hanging out at. If Michael wants to come on the show and defend this stinking piece of shit then he's more than welcome to uh, you can send us an email over at uh, I'm gonna give you Brett's email <laughs> bloombrett91 uh, no. <laughs> uh, nightmareboxproductions at gmail <laughs> uh, open invitation to Michael Winnick to tell me what the hell happened here I have a theory it's in my goods um, so we'll go into the characters then you got Adam He's played by a guy named Josh Stewart, who I was not familiar with, but he's been in a bunch of indie films, and he's had several supporting roles in major films. Uh, he was in, in Interstellar. He was in the last season of The Punisher, uh, and he was in The Collector and The Collection. Hmm. His Artkin, I believe, was his character's name in that film, hmm. those films. So he's he, he's established himself. Um, he didn't do great in this one. I, my acting problem, I don't think, is with the individual. We'll get to it. <laughs> Onward. 
his wife in this film is Lisa. I cannot pronounce her real name. It was Serbian, so I left that off. Hmm. She's also been in a couple of indie films. Uh, then there's Becky, the sister, who played somebody in Mara. Oh, I didn't write down the name. I just nope. We are down. ill-prepared for today's episode. I just wrote down that she was in Mara. <laughs> then I think it was Carly or something like that. Then there's Emily and James Harper, who were the initial couple that we see uh, at the very beginning of the film, who... Had better chemistry, honestly. (laughs) They were much better at their jobs. (laughs) And then there's Dr. Clark, who's played by Delroy Lindo. And what fame is he of? He is of Malcolm X, and he also played the detective in Gone in 60 Seconds. Nice. Yeah, he's... Apparently a phenomenal actor. I've only seen him and gone in 60 seconds. Uh, open one. invite. I never watched Malcolm X. I want to see Malcolm X. I've never seen it at Walmart in the $5 bin. So. That's probably what they blew a good million of their budget on, trying to get one actual actor. Oh, for sure. That guy got paid. Everybody else got left out with a bag of McDonald's. You know, some cold pizza. I'd take some cold pizza. I'll take some cold pizza. I'm making you chicken parmesan after we get done with this podcast. I'm hungry right now. I'm hungry right now as well, my dear. And we will eat in roughly an hour. We'll, we'll you know, we'll set that whole situation up. You can go scrub a dub dub down there in the tub, and I'm gonna go ahead and make some fucking chicken parmesan that should shut Olive Garden down because that's what I'm about. Would you would Would you like to give us a synopsis of this steaming pile of shit? I guess. <laughs> We see um, the first couple. The wife is Emily and James. Yeah, uh, Emily is sleeping in what literally looks like Harry Potter's room under the stairs, <laughs> and um, James is downstairs getting drunk, hammered on Merlot. Um, I don't know why he stuffed her in this tiny room by herself, but she goes to check on him because he's flipping his shit, banging his head into the mirror, and he kills her. With and then a, we like a fire poker stick. thing. Yeah, fire poker. Then we cut to present day, our current couple, moving to this town because apparently uh, this university is just super hard up for a math teacher. Yeah. And the news is just not enough to where the bludgeoning death of a woman would reach the new professor who's apparently taking that yeah. old math professor's And they job. move him and <laughs> Lisa into this massive mansion that's just unrealistic. Let's yeah. But uh, we're think, doing the summary, not the bad, so I'm going to carry on. I think the on. math professor normally gets like a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> I don't think they put the professors up at all. Well, they, I think the dean's the only one who gets a house. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, for whatever reason, put the new math professor, Adam, up in this mansion. Him and his wife move into it, and uh, they find a gift that dear, sweet, best but, sister of the year, Becky, has yeah. left them. And uh, the husband can't open the box, but the wife... Manages to open the very easily opened we'll, we'll box. We'll get to it. <laughs> and uh, let's loose the evil spirit that apparently just really likes killing babies. So yeah. she has a miscarriage and then their dead fetus starts haunting them. And making out with its own father yeah. at points and having sex with random people in yeah. the rain. And... Weird shit. What happened at the end? I was trying to remember if he wound up killing her or he kills the wife and the spirit incinerates back yeah. into the box how does he kill the wife stabs her 
poker thingy again? No, he got her with the poker the first time, and she's like pinned to the ground. That's right. And then she literally just hands him the blade that I'm assuming yeah. she had stabbed him with I earlier. I remember it now. And yeah. then he takes her out. So, uh, yeah, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get into the goods, love? They're few and far between. I know. But, I'm, uh, I'm going to be slamming down some beers here. My pretty shot drop. <laughs> Christians, Christians, Christians. Pretty shot. <laughs> um, there were actually some pretty cool scenes in this, I will say. Um, if I had any area in particular to praise in this film, it would be uh, first and foremost the cinematographer and then also the editor. Um, yeah. I wrote down shout out to the DP. Did I get the wrong person? Yeah, that's the cinematographer, oh, the okay, director cool. of photography. You can't change the names on me. I'm just oh, learning them. The cinematographer is the director of photography. Um, but yeah, there was a really cool scene where I think Lisa is the one in the shower during that particular scene, and the mirror is like super fogged mm. up, and you just kind of see her silhouette like walking by, and it's one of those tile stone showers with the yeah. actual glass door. So it's just this really pretty cool shot of her silhouette kind of mm-hmm. drifting by with the eerie music and you know shit's about to go down. Is that the mom scene? Where they right with Yeah, the where fingers? they write mom mm-hmm. in the fog on the glass. Uh, which that was pretty cool too, I guess. It, it was a little predictable, but uh, still kind, yeah. of, kind of a neat shot. Um, the opening sequence where um, the original husband, what's his name? The original husband is James. James. Yeah. <laughs> I should have written these down. Uh, James is sitting on the couch getting wasted. And in particular, I really liked the shot when the camera's um, kind of slowly moving in on him from the back. And mm-hmm. you just see, I think there's a fire going, yeah. if I'm remembering right. And he's just sitting there knocking back drinks. And all you really see is the back of his head and this kind of like... Which should normally seem like a warm, cozy scene, like, oh, he's in front of the fireplace, and, yeah. you know, he's all toasty and warm, and instead he's uh, contemplating killing his wife. Yeah, he's got a very anxious pace to a lot mm. of it. That was one of the things I also had down on my list, was the shout-out to the DP. Uh, they had a lot of really spacious shots where they weren't too tight in. And because I'm dating you, I look for things like that now. <laughs> there was that uh, wide of the outside of the house that you commented on, like the yeah. opening sequence when it's slowly moving in on the house. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, the shots in the woods when she runs into Emily. Um, you get a lot of that. Like, there's, It's a wide shot, but they're obviously very isolated, despite the fact that she's like nine months pregnant and out jogging. But... <laughs> Wiser decisions were made by Wiser others. decisions were made. But this is the Mistakes Were Made podcast, so we're talking about them. Fuck it. So you shot down one of mine as well, so go for it. <laughs> I think you have more than me, though. I only wrote down four. Oh, well, then I'll burn one. Um, I liked Delroy Lindo as the blind demonologist. But my favorite part of his entire thing was the seance little portion where they had the recorders and stuff. Um, when he's the only one that can see it. And you kind of get this view from him and like as cheesy as the CGI is, like all the people. And then you've got Lisa with her head down at the yeah, far end of the table. Really 
neat little sequence. Brett's pretty, pretty, pretty shot. <laughs> and I like, too, that in that um, scene, he has his eyes like he can see. Yeah. And then the chair tips over, and he comes up, and his eyes are a little excessively foggy, but his eyes are fogged out like he's blind, so that was kind of neat. Yeah. I loved his character. Like, he was, like, this dominating force. He moved completely silent, which is how he was able to sneak into all those meetings and or all those... Uh, classes and find a chair without making a single noise <laughs> in a math class but no he's uh probably my favorite actor in the entire film probably because he is the most established actor mm. and the best actor in the entire film uh but his character was the most interesting i only wish that he was given more screen time yeah for having been what i would personally say the most accomplished actor in the whole movie shockingly low screen time yeah like he gave the best performance um i feel like his name holds the most weight and yeah underutilized by quite a bit maybe it's time restraints you only had him for the weekend you know they couldn't afford to have him for longer there are ways uh, around stuff like that as we discussed on the show before but i thought he was one of my goods. <laughs> I like the blind demonologist mm. guy. Parapsychologist. <laughs> okay. That's what uh, I was trying to remember what they called him, and all I got was demonologist. <laughs> but that's from The Exorcist. <laughs> um, kind of still keeping in the same vein. Most people don't even believe in real psychology. Not most people. <laughs> he's now, doubling down. He's, he's like, I'm going to believe in the psychology of things other people don't believe in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a niche audience. <laughs> Um, kind of keeping in the same vein as my last one, though. Um, not all of them, but there were quite a few pretty cool effects in the film. So mm-hmm. props to the editor as well. Um, a little overused. It, it gets to be, to some extent, when you have a really cool effect that you play too many times, like you're a one-trick pony. But um, the whole mirror sequence where yeah. the reflection was, you know, clearly the possessed mm-hmm. entity or whatever like when um, she turns and walks away and, and the, the reflection, reflection stays, stays still yeah. or when the reflection moves and she doesn't like really cool sequence a little overplayed in my opinion but the first time it happened it was like ooh, ooh, i was for that <laughs> you know so uh just a lot of neat effects the painting moving constantly changing positions too was really cool i highly doubt that was a different painting every single time. I think it was a lot of CGI. Yeah, I which think I that got was... tucked in my bads and <laughs> I'll slaughter them here in a <laughs> Yeah, I think the painting was probably CGI. I highly doubt they had that many different versions of that exact painting. Yeah. Um, but so assuming it was CGI, again, kind of a cool effect. The the final version of the painting was a bit cheesy, but the progression of the painting kind of shifting over time was pretty neat. Um there were some bad CGI's. We'll get to those later, but when they did it right, it was pretty cool. That's all. Throwing it back at me. Yeah, what do you got? Um, to his credit, this is a a compliment that is backhanded. <laughs> <laughs> the story had so much potential yeah. to it, but this feels like the rough draft this feels like michael should have sat down for like another six months and figured you know some huge issues that we'll get to later out but 
from the onset, the characters are interesting. Um, the actors, not so much, but you know, the, the idea of the characters, the idea of the story, um, it's compelling. Uh, it didn't execute near as well as it should have. And I think but. the sad thing for me is there were definitely a lot of, which we'll get to those, there were a lot of plot holes. The story needed yeah. <laughs> the story needed a lot of polishing, but for me, I feel like the film suffered the most for the actors, so I feel like if it had just been cast a bit better, even left as is, it still would have been fairly interesting. Yeah, like if there was... Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> so, no, I, I agree, though. Like, I'm trying I, not to shit on it I in know. our goods, but... Well, I mean, again, it's a bit of a backhanded yeah. compliment. I do feel like even left alone as is, the story had some relatively interesting bits to it. It needed some work, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but like the concept of uh, Lisa and Emily meeting each other out in the woods, even, is like something I don't think I've seen before, where you're running into you from whatever, you know. Yeah. But, I, yeah. For me, I don't even know that I can really blame the writer on that one, though. For me, I think it suffered the most for the acting. It needed some work, though. Yeah. But it it, it had a lot of potential. Little <laughs> little baby film. I'll, I, I'll give it the potential. I've, I've credited <laughs> films' potentials a bunch of times. I've credited the writing when the directing was terrible. I've credited the directing when the writing was terrible. And the acting when both were terrible. You know? But this one just... It was so close. Just needed another look over. <laughs> Jax agrees. <laughs> um, the music, I, I was actually a pretty big fan of. Um, it didn't feel like a lot of horror films kind of tend to overplay music just I didn't to add. Even think of that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Jax, what are you doing, bud? Um, tend to overplay music just to add to the tension. Mm -hmm. And this one when it used the music to add to the tension, I felt like was really well-timed and honestly a very interesting piece. Like, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, uh, the main piece that they kept going back to was a violin, but it mm -hmm. wasn't like a pretty instrument, you know, kind of playing along like what you're used to. It almost sounded like somebody was like striking at the violin yeah. and dragging it aggressively. Oh, so it sounded like the violin was like crying mm -hmm. almost instead of, you know the beautiful symphony that violins can play. So I, it was a little eerie and off putting and kind of like, Oh, that's a bit of an abrasive <laughs> sound every time it happened, but well-timed and well-executed in my opinion. It was a very unique yeah. way of doing the music. And they effectively used uh, like the thunderstorm. I actually have that as one of my good <laughs> Oh, I thought we were sticking to sound. So I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Music and the uh, the ambient noise of the storm. And Oh, well, I didn't have the ambient noise of the storm, but yeah. The, uh, the uh, since you've already brought it up, the visual effects of the storm. Um, I'm assuming they did not luck out and just coincidentally have rainy, stormy days yeah. on the days that they needed them. So that was a, a element that they had to create themselves and... I have been a part of a set before where you had to try to fake a thunderstorm mm -hmm. and it's not an easy task, which granted they had a lot more money to work with than I did when we were doing it. But um, I appreciate that it legitimately looked like a thunderstorm was just going on. Yeah, it didn't look faked at all. Yeah, no. like they had enough water on the ground where it didn't look like it had just started or that it was being sprayed with a hose. It, that was very well done. The, the lighting was brilliant. And the flashes of the lightning timed with the sound of the thunder. Yeah. Like, um, very that's a 
a weirdly specific thing to compliment, but very well executed on the weather. <laughs> well, you hit those subtle details, right? And all of a sudden, you know, you're a next level above. If you ignore those subtle details and you almost create a cardboard world, and when you're able to time those sorts of things out, it puts you there. Like It's like that uncanny valley theory where it's like, I, I know what thunder sounds like as opposed to what lightning looks like. Mm -hmm. And you create that perfect distance. And it pulls you in, you know, on a subconscious level. That's all my goods, though. We've burned through all mine. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> um, I liked the focus on the painting, that it, they repeatedly went back to the painting and that it changed with the events. And I liked that the characters acknowledged it. It wasn't just a thing we were seeing as an yeah. audience. Like, Lisa, after a little bit, was like, this is weird. Like, that's not what it looked like before. Because yeah. a lot of the time that stuff kind of happens, and it's like, the characters are completely oblivious to mm -hmm. the artwork in their own home. It's like, you don't remember what that looked like? <laughs> and the dual acceptance that it had changed. Where At the beginning, she's like, no, she wasn't facing that way. She was facing this way. And the guy's like, are you sure? You know, like they hadn't been in the house long enough for him to have stared at the painting as mm -hmm. long as she had until it gets to the point where he also understands that something crazy is going on. And now they can both acknowledge the change and they're almost like running back to the painting. Like what the fuck's going to happen? What to us stage next? are we in? <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was really good. And then my final good is um, I liked the differences in Adam and Lisa's experiences, um, though I am very confused by the whole attempt at a sex scene with his stillborn baby daughter. I'm confused at which that's, we'll get into that, I guess. Well, that's why I saved it, was because it edges <laughs> right on the bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused, period, by the sexualization of any of it, because they had him seeing the sister, which I'm assuming was just the ghost kind of fucking with him. Uh -huh. They had him making out with what we established later on was his own daughter. And then we kept seeing, for whatever reason, David randomly fucking people as well. <clears throat> and, like, I don't understand. I didn't introduce him. He was the student slash caretaker yeah, slash like groundskeeper or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, overall guy. <laughs> so, I like, the weird scene where he kept looking out the window and seeing David fucking the sister and then fucking the wife. It was like, I don't get... Why is that a, a vision he's having that has nothing yeah. to do with anything? Like, all of her visions were, like... child -related. Of the children, yeah. So, but, his are... And they don't imply that We're going like, into the bads, bads, bads. Because I'm right there with you, and they, I have an explanation. They don't imply that he's unfaithful in any way, so this weird him constantly sexualizing other people besides his wife is strange. Exactly. And you know what that is? It's one of my first bads. <laughs> Um, people that have listened to the two stars in the past know that I have a penchant for rules. If you have zombies, you have rules. If you have a serial killer, you have rules. The world is established, and these people need to operate within a fine set of rules, or else you're just tricking me. You're not giving me a chance, right? Like, seven happens. Um, 
and you see Kevin Spacey, but you don't tie together that that's Kevin Spacey and so much more as you tie in that he's the bad guy at the end of Seven. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen that movie from 96. (laughs) The problem with this film is it fails to establish at any level any sort of rules. Why is he seeing... The sister, the daughter, the the gardener. Why is he doing any of that? Um... If the box has been opened and the house is now haunted, why does he need to open the box for him to see that the house is now haunted? Yeah, it's true, because they imply once the box got open, it let the spirit out. Yeah. If the murder happened inside of that house, was the box a part of that situation? If not, what the fuck happened? Well, they did address that the box belong to the original couple. It was found at an estate sale. Well, no, because they go to see the guy whenever yeah. uh, Lisa and... What's his name? God, why didn't I write these down? Lisa and Adam. Adam. Uh, go to see him in prison, and they say, turns out when somebody kills their wife, they sell all their things. So they established the box belonged to them originally. And it wound back up in that exact same house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... Probably one of the most frustrating plot points for me because if the box had just been left in the house, period. They found it. They found it. That would have been fine. Instead, what happened is Becky, who lives in a city somewhere completely away from them, somehow ended up at this exact estate sale in this exact town at this exact house that they moved into, bought the box, and then left it there for them. Yeah. Like, why would you not just go into the house, the box already be there waiting, like, oh, this is cute, what's this? Boom, shit's going down. There's absolutely no rules established. It's fucking haywire. Why is she not thinking about, like, para- Like, they blended, like, this paranoia that he has about the shirtless carpenter dude, but, like, we don't know why Becky's fucking the carpenter dude to get back at Adam. Like, that is never established why he has to see that as opposed to Lisa seeing that. Lisa well, doesn't have an attachment think, to shirtless carpenter guy. I think both sexual encounters were literally just in his head. I don't think they actually happened at all. So it's weird that they keep... Like, because that's, that's the route I thought they were going to go. I thought they were going to have the shirtless student being a little too friendly with the wife and establishing yeah. some jealousy there, which would have made the weird sexual moments make a little more sense. But they never established that anyone is a threat to their marriage and he's having these weird sexual images for no reason. Yeah, no, it, it felt like an attempt, now that I think of it, I can't remember the name of the fuck The Disappointments Room. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that yeah. one? Where there was that sexual tension and then That's they really room. toyed with that. Yeah. And it felt like a a half-assed attempt to kind of bring that back in. But the film has no rules, no established anything. So, like, when the movie ends, you still don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, and the sister is constantly walking around very inappropriately dressed, and they don't even establish, like... She's in the hospital in, like, a miniskirt. Well, they don't establish, like, even if you had indicated that maybe Lisa was feeling insecure by Becky, like, we could have played with... She's insecure that the husband is fantasizing about her sister, but there's no reason for any of those images. At all. What do you got, love? Um, the rules kinda, pissed me off. I was saving them for last, but... <laughs> uh, kind of keeping in the same vein, um, we never really establish that there is an issue with the first couple, and I get you don't want to give away the game early, yeah. but it makes no sense that 
Lisa and Adam have escalated all the way to Lisa stabbing Adam before he finally kills her. Mm -hmm. And the first couple, she's literally just asleep in bed. Yeah. And she doesn't look remotely crazy or possessed or anything strange. She comes down there and asks him what's wrong with him because he's scaring her. Yeah. So that implies that she has not had any hallucinations of any kind. He's smashing his face into a mirror for whatever reason, and then he kills her. Yeah, like he was the one that opened the box, which would imply, because of the lack of rules, that she would have had to kill him. But in the... Because they showed the little newspaper clipping, they talk about the fact that she found a... Or had a fertility box that Mm -hmm. she also miscarried. So she is clearly the person who, in this original scenario as well, is possessed, but... He kills her for literally no reason as far as what they show on screen. Just officer. Yeah. Super fast. Yeah. <laughs> and she's not threatening towards him or anything like that. How did he get the idea that he had to kill her? Where did that come from? Yeah. So it, it doesn't even follow Did he talk to own. the demonologist? Is fucking Dr. Clark <laughs> over here just, you know, making white people kill their wives? What the fuck is happening <laughs> in this movie? Yeah, they don't even follow their own kind of principles for what the movie is about. Not at all. It's just a neat little, like, jump scare segue thing into the rest of the film. Speaking of deaths that don't seem to make any goddamn sense, um, what in the fuck drove James to send the box back to Becky at the end of the goddamn movie? Why would he try to release that demon into her life all the fucking sudden? Well, they kind of established, too, whenever they're talking about the demon or whatever it is that it'll they imply that it'll destroy the world like first it's going to kill you yeah and then it's going to keep killing and then everyone's going to be afraid of you so the implication there is it's going to get stronger over time and a lot of people are going to die and he's just like ah revenge let me send it to lost fucking angeles (laughs) yeah and and she's just conveniently pregnant yeah well she got knocked up by the shirtless boy right I don't, well, no, I think that was in his head. I think that was fake. Oh, nobody knows. I mean, there's no fucking way to discern what was going on here. I I mean, he would have had to have sent the box before he went to jail. So it would have been immediately after the events. And they show her with a very round pregnant belly. So uh, I guess she got pregnant nine months earlier and just hit it real well. (laughs) Because I, like, it makes no sense. Yeah, she goes from washboard abs to, like, fucking bulbous as fuck. <clears throat> and she is hands down while we're on the topic of becky the worst sister that has ever existed it's terrible <laughs> she sends them the box the ghost for whatever reason decides it's gonna let her live scares her out of the house and she doesn't even kind of warn them hey shit's going down just to let you know i know i'm walking around here with incense and doing a lot of yoga but you're about to get fucked up by a fertility box <laughs> like, she could have literally Got in the car, drove a mile away and called her and been like, hey, (laughs) just so you're aware, I saw it too. (laughs) Hey, sis, want to go outside, smoke a cigarette? No, I know you're pregnant. No, don't worry about it. Let's get the fuck out of this house. (laughs) Nobody ever tries to get her out of the house. What would the the demon do? Well, they get in the car accident, so they do prove that the ghost or whatever would follow her. I don't remember the car accident. You don't remember that? Well, they're... uh... Shoot, where are they leaving from? I think they're leaving the prison. 
And he's like, let's just keep driving. Let's just go back where we came from. And she's like, no, you heard all of them. It's attached to me. It'll follow us wherever we go. And he's like, I don't see it. Yeah. And she goes, I do. And it starts like choking him out and he crashes the car. That's right. So. He like drives it into a pole. Into a field of nothing. And it catches on fire. Yeah. It's after like. After hitting like a. <laughs> it's little... a twig. It's like a baby <laughs> little tree. But yeah, so they do, they do establish that, that she can't leave. She's not safe otherwise. So, I mean, I guess realistically. Becky and her had tried to leave. Becky might have died, but Becky didn't know that. So yeah. Becky should have at least written a note that said, hey, <laughs> this thing is real. Just so you know. This is a massive problem that it's I've invited into just your, in your home. Head. <laughs> why did he... Never mind. What? <laughs> I was going to say, why didn't, why didn't he throw the box in the fire earlier? Well, if you incinerate the box, then you can't trap the spirit anymore. So fire kills it that doesn't unleash well, it. Well no, the, the the premise is the box is what conceals it. it. Yeah, yeah, so if you destroy the box it's now free to roam. I don't think you burn the spirit alive, I think you just burn the the container you've trapped the spirit in. Doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> um Another thing that doesn't make any fucking sense, in the middle of the seance scene, uh, all the power gets killed in the house, except for the tape recorder and Apple laptop that the tape recorder is plugged into. To be fair, that could have been battery operated, maybe. And the big gas production equipment and the one microphone. Do you remember the one microphone? I completely forgot about that. The fucking one microphone. Yeah, they kept. <laughs> okay. For all, all the things for all the things that they spent money on in this movie, they owned one microphone that they shot 10, 15 successive shots of actors setting it down in various locations in this mansion that they live in. So yeah, that cracks Brett and I because we were just watching it happen and I wasn't thinking anything about it and he was like, that's the same microphone they keep sitting back down every time. And I was like, oh my God, it is. Same Standing microphone. by 30 different of the same exact tripod On the same microphone. tripod, yeah. It's not dangling from the ceiling. That motherfucker isn't, you know, like established in any other way. Yeah, it's they... the same tripod. They just put it down in a bunch of different places and it had me fucking crying. <laughs> Of all the the weird bads, that one's probably the funniest. Oh, though. Yeah. yeah, they kept just it was a bit excessive. If they had done it four or five times, I would have been like, okay, they did it like ten times. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's Jesus. like how many of these fucking microphones do you need? Oh my god, you got one, sweetheart? Because I'm sitting on one, two. Um, I got four more, five more. No, I normally only have five. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's go with. Uh, I think we already kind of established that a little bit. Um, no chemistry between the actors whatsoever. Fucking goddamn right. Um, On all levels. I think Lisa and Adam are hands down the worst. And the most frustrating part about it is if you're that far along in your pregnancy, you're both ideally in a perfect world if neither of you is a shithead really anticipating this baby being yeah. born and looking forward to being parents especially considering it's their first child and the actors even in their happy times had no chemistry whatsoever but when she loses the baby mm-hmm. there is zero support of any kind from the father yeah or when he starts seeing the ghosts yeah doesn't give a shit like he's not I got a bat i'm gonna beat up this ghost you lady 
Leave me alone. <laughs> like he's not sympathetic to the fact that he also lost a kid. He's mm-hmm. not sympathetic to his wife's feelings. Like there's no like addressing any of this. He's like, oh, you're seeing things, so I guess I'll throw the crib away. It's not like this might be traumatic for both of us. Maybe we should try to move past yeah, it. He goes or right back to work. Yeah, like blames her for putting the crib together, which I, I could get that line at the very least if he was also visibly grieving because maybe he would feel resentful if if he he was angry yeah Yeah. like if he didn't at that point in the film believe she was seeing things maybe he would feel a little resentful that maybe she had inadvertently caused them to lose the baby and he was grieving the loss of their child like that would have made sense but it was just like poking at her just to poke at her so we shouldn't have built the crib dumbass i know we named the fucking thing (laughs) <laughs> they didn't actually they kept calling it lisa is, jr yeah and i think he called it adam jr a couple of times mm-hmm. like at that point i would think there would be at least some semblance of a name for yeah, the baby some concept of what gender it was and at they least. didn't buy the crib or anything the crib was already there in the house like she pulled out a box of old toys that i'm assuming were there in the house like they had literally no prep for being parents even though Ow. she was about to give birth <laughs> so just this weird lack of like she doesn't seem like a overly concerned mother he doesn't seem like a overly concerned father they don't seem like a good match as a couple yeah the chemistry between uh Becky and Lisa is like two high school girls shitting on each other uh, the chemistry between Dr. Clark and the couple is strange, you know. None of it feels authentic. Like, the actors look visibly uncomfortable in the room with one another. I don't know if that's an actor's fault or a directorial fault. I, it, it's so fucked up. Like, I can't figure out who to blame. Yeah. And, like, I would, I would excuse... Becky and Lisa having a strained relationship because they established from the forefront she's a bit of a cunt and the yeah. husband doesn't like her and I could even excuse her like she makes a lot of really insensitive comments, comments and yeah. stuff so I could kind of excuse her just being a vapid character but like you would think that there would be more support between Lisa and Adam then and she cries more about the fact that Becky left than the fact that she lost a child yeah so it's just, and like literally the first couple, like you don't ever see them together until she asks him what's wrong and he's scaring her and then he kills her and they had better chemistry with each Fantastic. other. Fantastic. I, I give it up for whoever played Emily and James Harper because that was the best shit in the movie. First five minutes. And her whole little sequence in the forest where she's freaking out that her baby is missing and she's crying and she's trying to warn the other girl was a, like the most convincing mm-hmm. performance in the whole thing. So it's I, and I think that's honestly what made the film as bad as it was. There wasn't a single casting that was well done. Yeah, it's fucking harsh. That'll bury your project like right off the bat. And I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't know if maybe that was a, a lack of the director's ability to clearly communicate with the actors or if the actors just didn't click well with each other. But I, I think you do some test reads together <laughs> or something initially, and if it's just not working, you cut your losses yeah. with that person. And you guys on. can't be fucking husband and wife, okay? This isn't Footloose or whatever that documentary was that we watched where they Patrick Swayze hated the other uh, two. Uh, 
Oh my god. Why? Uh... Fuck, why can't I think of it? <laughs> I can picture it. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Everybody knows what movie it is. Why can't I not remember the name? They hated each other. That's the point. Go watch the Dirty documentary. Dancing. That's it. Um, oh, we killed that one as well. Um, and that one. I'm actually running light. We, we, <laughs> we diced up a few of mine just in the conversation. Uh, the special effects in this film are fucking laughable. Yeah. That's my final bad. Um, they should have gone practical. They had all the space in the world to go practical. And then they created the baby that looked like that. I will admit... The baby startled me just because I was not expecting that to happen. Yeah, it worked the first time. But, but the it looked rest stupid. <laughs> the old lady in the fucking shower looked like she got zipped up in a, you know, it crawls out of the dark costume. Well, or the old the lady fuck. makes the least sense to me because they could have literally just hired an old lady actor. Those were clearly different children playing the children's yeah. parts. So why not hire an actual old lady actor instead of taking a young person and putting the worst makeup job well, in the, existence the on them? The actress that played her was like in her 50s or 60s, if I remember correctly. Really? And well, they should have gone they, 80s. Yeah, and they just heavy makeup the fuck out of it. It looks so fake. It. Yeah. It's so much of this movie could have been done with practical effects, like a good makeup artist and you probably would have saved yourself 1.5 of those 3.5 mil. <laughs> you might have broke even if you used a, you know, traditional practical effects. And the weird need to black out the eyes. Like, there's no reason for that. You could and, do it with contacts. Well, there was no reason for it, period. It just looked cheesy. It's like, why? I mean, she died yeah. in the womb. She had eyes. Like, why do none of these people have eyes? That like, makes no sense. Fully formed bodies, zero eyeballs, eight months into the like, pregnancy. I, I think the concept behind that was like, oh, it'd look cool in the painting if all their bl- eyes were blacked out. And then they translated it to the real figures as yeah. well. So is the, is the painting the problem? Is the painting the thing haunting this see, house? And that's another thing that doesn't make sense. One of the children that's alive in the house is the baby doll. So they yeah. throw out the baby doll. And then the painting is the thing that keeps moving and changing, even though the box is what's possessed. Yeah, the box is the issue. Why the is box the... is its own issue to begin with, because uh, he's a master mathematician. His wife does whatever she does. I didn't catch Nothing. what her... I don't think yeah, she works. <laughs> she doesn't work for a living. Uh, she figures out the box in uh, half a heartbeat. He looks at it and goes, oh, great, a box nobody can open. And it, like You never see like the front of it. Like If it had been this great big puzzle when he looked at it the first time and then the second time it's just a latch, perfect. Uh, you only see it when it's a latch. Yeah. You're like, how does this dumbass not know how to... Yeah move that hook (laughs) and then lift (laughs) yeah i yeah a lot of of plot holes um you don't miscarry that far into pregnancy uh that definitely would have just been a stillborn full baby that came the fuck out of her yeah and you would not instantly be that skinny again no uh, that was a massive fucking issue. <laughs> all the loose skin and all the yeah. the fat that she had gained from her pregnancy would still be there. Uh, most people carry that weight for a good couple of months. Yeah. Your hair <laughs> wouldn't look that pretty laying in the hospital bed given your After current you situation. And, and gave birth out, to yeah. a baby. <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason, even though she's ready to pop, she's literally just laying there with blood between her legs. There's no actual baby. No. So I... And not a lot of blood, to be honest, for 
It's like she had a heavy flow that month. It's not even <laughs> like she, you know. Yeah, I and, and hands down, this is my last one, I think actually the worst part of the whole thing, the ending is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Um, Dad went from being a very monotone, unconcerned character to Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man. Who's been... <laughs> yeah, he's got the fucking haircut. <laughs> yeah, it's slicked over, it's dyed black, and he's trying to act like a bad boy. Like, oh, I killed my wife, what up? You know, even though in the moment, like it wasn't, okay, she stabbed him, I'll give him that. Yeah. Maybe he's in a the little... liver. Maybe. And he walked around for 30 minutes. <laughs> well, I'll give him. Maybe he's a little pissed she stabbed him. But, like, in the final moments when he goes to kill her, she's literally begging him, like, please kill me. Please yeah. do this to and save this. our daughter. And he's, like, all like, no, no, okay, fine. And, like, stabs her, like, grudgingly. But then in prison later, for some reason, he's like, yeah, I killed that bitch. <laughs> My slick black hair. She decided to die that day. <laughs> Crossed the wrong path. It makes no sense. What a bullshit fucking film. <laughs> Uh, it's not my least favorite we've done. But no, I, it might be my least favorite film that we've done. <laughs> <laughs> Stitches is king. No. You got any other points, love? No, I think I'd, I'd aggressively... Well, other than why the fuck is David at the house when David gets killed? Why did David go back to the house? What happened to David? Why are David's eyes missing? What is our weird obsession with eyeballs? Who killed David? Did anybody kill David? Was David real? I'm assuming the ghost. Was the house also... already haunted? These questions and more. <laughs> I'm just saying, Michael, if you want to come on the Mistakes Were Made podcast, I mean, you've got MW. It's your name, Michael Willing. <laughs> Michael Willing made mistakes. This is why writers' rooms are important. Yeah, don't rely on yourself just because you're living on a trust fund. I don't know his situation, <laughs> but this feels like a trust fund horror film. Uh, and it bugs me. Did, did you learn anything? Did you have any strong takeaways from it? Uh, and that's the thing that I've been reading in the, the book that uh, I got from the book yeah. exchange about making a low-budget uh, feature film. Um, there are some cool effects. There are some... Did they use the cool shot effect? <laughs> there there are some cool effects in this movie. There are some pretty shots, but um, one of the first points they make in that book that I've been reading about uh, making like a budget feature film is your script, first and foremost, when you don't have as much money to throw around as King, and if your script isn't any good, nothing will save it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this film, for me, kind of reiterates that if you have a fancy expensive camera and you know a couple of cool tricks it's still not going to carry the weight of a script mm -hmm. that can't stand on its own so right there with you my major takeaway is a person who's currently rewriting to get to a rough draft of a novel from four years ago um is kind of what I opened with. I feel like this was a rough draft of a film that could have used a lot more work. It didn't get the attention that it deserved. And it reiterates for me the need to go over your work with a fine-tooth comb, or at least a comb at all. Like, you know? <laughs> have somebody else go over it. Like, one of the points that they uh, made in the book that I've been reading is 
you know, if you have particularly honest friends that'll tell you if they think something you did sucks, have them read it. And if you don't have someone you don't know as well, read it. And if you don't have someone you trust in that aspect, then do a literal live table read. Like if you're hearing it out loud in your own like ears, like you're going to cringe at the Mm -hmm. parts that are cringy. So I, yeah, like review it yourself, have somebody else review it, like do a table read, do But there something. are so many plot holes, it's obvious that this guy just got patted on the shoulder all the way through. Like, Especially if he's been doing this the whole time. Mm-hmm. If he's the executive producer, I'd imagine he's bankrolling some of this himself. So That's where my trust fund idea comes from. <laughs> it's not a good idea to double dip, as we've said in the past not at all don't be greedy hire somebody else <laughs> but uh if you guys got any comments or anything like that you can shoot us an email over at nightmare bro nightmare, nightmare box. brett i was swallowing my beer <laughs> nightmare box productions at gmail or you can flitter on over there to the twitter uh at nightmare box pro or you take pictures of yourself holding guns to your head while you watch this film and that would be over on instagram at (laughs) At nightmare box productions (laughs) unloaded guns but most importantly if you want to watch a film that's 10 times better than this film you can go watch the dolls which was directed by Kristen pennington the beautiful the effervescent the green sweatered Kristen pennington and myself brett bloom sitting here in my red sweater plaid pants uh (laughs) christmas and uh, you can find that over at youtube.com slash Kristen Pennington. You can also go on over to our website, which is... TheNightmareBox.blog. And that f- same exact film is linked up in the top right-hand corner. Go all the way to the bottom. I'm selling my book, The Madman Diaries. $10. I'll send it to you anywhere in the world. Don't care if it's $15, $16, $20 to send it to you. Send me 10 bucks. I'll send you that goddamn book. And as we've previously discussed, uh, the website's been under a bit of construction, so there's a lot of really cool new features there on are, it. There are, yeah. Um, the homework assignment is on there, so uh, at this point it's a little late in the month, <laughs> but if you really want to cram in and join us, uh, Brett and I are working on our version. We'd love to see your version, so um, you can find our homework assignment, which if you haven't heard us talk about it yet, is kind of a challenge to mm-hmm. um, ourselves and also to you guys. Brett and I are coming up with little quirky short film ideas that we're going to use to kind of push our abilities and then you guys can join us and film your own send it to us and you um, get to start filming that this weekend which, <laughs> you know why that's going to be brilliant why it's supposed to snow Ooh. and the shot that you want is going to look brilliant in the snow <laughs> that is going to look cool um there's also uh brett's short stories on the website so if you want to read some of brett's other work that's not in the book those are on there and then um i have recently added a section where you can kind of uh learn about some of the gear that i use whenever we're uh filming our own stuff so if you want just kind of tips tricks advice about things that i like and i use um i've recently added that section i'll be adding to it as we kind of grow our company so a lot of cool stuff on the site um definitely Watch the film, buy the book, check out the other sections, read Brett's stories. Tell your friends, leave us a review, do all of that sort of shit. Motherfuckers. (laughs) Don't make me get malicious on your bitch ass. (laughs) And we also have a Facebook. I feel like we keep forgetting that one. Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Give us a like. Um, Please rate, review, and share the podcast. Um, It helps us kind of reach a bigger audience, and we would love to hear your thoughts and opinions about 
whether or not you like what we're doing, if there's content you guys want to hear us talk about, if you have questions that Brett and I can answer for you. If there's uh, something that we do that annoys you flat out and you just want us to stop that, <laughs> my I'll take harsh it into S's that I, I have no control over, that's just a thing you you guys have to deal yeah, with. My burping into the microphone. <laughs> we've, we've all got our faults, okay? but it's the mistakes were made podcast, not the we got it right. So we don't know what we're doing wrong until we know how to do it right. But I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you guys. And we will talk to you on Friday.